Hello, beautiful queens, and join me as we open up conversations that help women walk through difficult transitions and inner healing while unleashing the potential that God has placed within all of us to become untamed and unchained. In each episode, you'll get the tools and resources to create the change in your life that you desire as you unleash your vision, your gifts, and your voice, and your confidence to live the life of your dreams. I give my listeners and clients love and support. However, I do take the direct approach and we cut out that BS in your life. So instead of playing small, you can create big leaps into your life. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello, queens. Today I am bringing on my guest, Kylie Marie Mann. I'm so excited to have her share her story with you all. We met on Instagram and she has such a life-changing story. I haven't even heard the whole story. However, I get to hear more more in depth of just everything, but her story is something that is going to hit all of our hearts very deeply. And this is why I brought her on because I just knew like when we hear one another's stories, we learn from it, we grow from it, and we when we see the things that somebody else has gone through, it can touch our life so deeply and create that change in our life that we're desiring. So Kylie, I would love for you to share some fun facts about yourself and just some fun things in your life. And then we'll just kind of go from there um, with sharing your story. Well, it's uh, an honor to be here. Um, Some fun facts about me. Well, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and I think that I am always feeling called to go back to the sunshine. Right now, I live in Indiana, but I'm actually moving, like, basically at the end of the month to Lexington, Kentucky, um, because my fiance got a job with Toyota, and they have a, a branch there right outside of Kentucky. Um, a kind of fun fact is my fiance is actually from Spain. So we like kind of European lifestyle as in, you know, getting to walk everywhere. And he's from Valencia, Spain. So he's also called to the sunshine. And here in Indiana, we don't really get a whole lot of that. So hopefully in Kentucky, we get more sunshine. Um, More fun facts. Uh, I have three uncles. My mom has three brothers and all three of them are priests which is very cool. And her sister also used to be a nun. So my mom's the only one who didn't go into a religious order, which is kind of funny. Um, My aunt's not a nun anymore uh, and she adopted two kids and all of that. But it's funny that my mom's the only one who didn't go into a religious order, but her vocation, she always knew her vocation, which was to be a mom. So she pursued that and had me and my sister, um, which is, I'm glad that she did so. And then fun facts, I speak pretty good Italian uh, because I studied abroad in Italy and I interned at an art museum when I was there, which was a huge blessing because I love art and I also minored in art history. So that was kind of my draw was to museums. And so I got to intern at an art museum in Italy, which is kind of epic in a, you know, with all humility, but (laughs) so yeah. Those are my fun facts and kind of where I'm at. I would say, oh my gosh, that's all like on my dream board to go to Italy. I'm so, I'm like, I love, like you have such an interesting, I tell you, like your 
first of all, I want to say thank you for giving your time and sharing your time to be on here and share about your life. Um, and we treasure and value that you're doing that for us. Um, and yes, going to Italy, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was already there when you were talking about it. Uh, <laughs> so that is really, that is really fun and really cool. I did not know that about your mom's family. Wow. Yes, we are very thankful that your mom chose the path that she did because you are here and our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. you had something very, very life-changing happen. At what age were you actually in the accident? So yeah, I was in a car accident in 2018, and it was just a couple of days before my 21st birthday. So I don't know if you want me to continue with the whole story, um, or if yes, you, want to- you can <laughs> actually you can just run from it from here, and then we'll give them a little bit of a backstory of how life was before the accident and then um we'll go we'll jump forward to how it changed your life but yeah like in as many details as you want to share with us um yeah it's it's all yours yeah so just I was home from college I over summer in Memphis and it was just uh, yeah, a couple days before my 21st birthday, I was in a car accident. I was driving home after being with a friend and I smashed into a tree um, and my entire car was crushed like entirely. If you saw photos, you would be like, there's no way that anybody would make it out alive if they were in that car. Um, the only part of the car that was not like entirely compacted is where my body was. So I thank God that nobody else was in the car because they a hundred percent probably would not be here with us today. Um, it is truly only by the grace of God that I am here today, but I was, then I was taken to the trauma unit in Memphis. I was in a coma for two weeks. Um, so on my actual 21st birthday, I had a craniectomy. So they removed half of my skull, literally took half of my skull off. Um, it was an emergency craniectomy because I was I had a brain injury. So my brain was swelling and you know didn't have anywhere to go because your head is only so big. Um, and then... I was transported via a medical flight to Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia, where I was for rehabilitation for about two months, which that in itself is kind of a miracle because people can be there for over a year uh, recovering from, you know, a thing such such as this. Um, but I think that it's 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 really cool just all of the different i i would say kind of like god winks in my story because i when my parents got the information for where my half of my skull was being stored my dad was looking at the address and he was like there's no there's no way that's the right address he was like that was probably just like some mistake and then he looked it up and cuz the address was where he worked. It was his office building. And he was like, and he works for True Green. So he was like, he was like, that's pretty crazy. Um, but in the office building, there's a couple of other businesses that are there. And one of them was a medical storage place. So he went, he went down and, you know, 
knocked on the door and he was like, Hey, this is kind of crazy, but I'm pretty sure you have my daughter's skull piece. And they were just like, what? They were like, we like typically never, you know, see the people, you know, related to whichever, you know, body parts and whatnot are being stored here in our medical freezers. Uh, so after I was, you know, fully recovered and whatnot, I was like, I have to go meet, you know, these ladies and, and tell them like, Hey, you know, thank you for watching over my skull piece. But, you know, when, when my dad had gone down there and, and, and told them that, you know, they had my skull piece, they, you know, took him to the freezer where it was and they all prayed over it for me, which is, I think the power of prayer is really, you know, kind of what is, I believe the power of prayer is kind of why I am here today, especially as I mentioned, my three uncles, they're priests. So when I was in the trauma unit, they came and they prayed over me. I mean, nonstop. And they had relics of St. Mother Teresa that they prayed over me with. And also the St. Mother Teresa nuns were there and they came and prayed with me. Um, I had I mean, I had thousands of people praying for me. It's it's incredible because when I do meet people who, you know, knew me through one of my uncle's parishes or whatnot, and they see me there and I, I tell them, you know, who I am. And they were just like, they're just like, oh my gosh, I was, you know, I was praying for you. And a lot of times they will think that it was like my sister or something that was in the accident because I look, I look so okay. And I look so normal and they're like, based on what was happening to you, like it's, yeah, it's pretty mind blowing to see, you know, that you look totally okay. But another, well, I guess this is actually kind of, this is related to more recent events as in like last Friday, another kind of cool God wink that happened was, so my dad's birthday is also um, around the same time as mine, his is the 28th of August and mine is the 15th. But so I was, I was still in a coma on his birthday, but they were playing my music because with brain injuries, it's kind of, and with people in comas, they like to have familiar things and sounds, you know, to kind of stimulate the brain and whatnot. So they were playing my music and soul sister by, by train the song, you know, like, Hey, soul sister, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say it, but I'm not going to say it. Um, But then on his birthday and in, you know, in the hospital room, that song came on and I started lip syncing to it. And they were like, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, like, okay. Like, you know, my dad was like, that was kind of God's way of telling me as, you know, a birthday gift to my dad, you know, like she's going to be okay. Um, but what's so crazy is that just last Friday, I actually got to meet train and, you know, I got to tell them like, Hey, you know, thank you for your music. Uh, and I, you know, shared the story and my dad had shared the story kind of through one of his colleagues who orchestrated kind of the meet and greet and whatnot. Um, But that was, yeah, it was such a meaningful kind of like full circle moment being there with my parents and my fiance, you know, meeting train and listening to Hey Soul Sister and getting, you know, getting to sing it 
out loud while experiencing it in concert. Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, incredible, but it's just amazing kind of the different ways that God gave, you know, gave my family some, some hope and comfort during a time that was, yeah, they didn't, they did not think that I would probably make it. And then if I did, part of my spinal cord was torn and I had a C1 and C2 fracture. So if I did make it, odds are, you know, I'd probably be paralyzed. Um, and I did have to learn how to, how to walk again, kind of, because I got drop foot, which is something that happens, I guess, a lot when you're in a coma. Um, and so I had to have my foot in a cast and then kind of learn how to walk again. But yeah, all of it is, it's, it's all so crazy and miraculous that I'm here today. I still remember everything, you know, from my life before and still remember everything from now. And I don't, you know, train when I, you know, shared the story, he was like, are you, you know, fully like rehabilitated? Oh, you know, are you on like medications and stuff? And I was like, no, I was like, I live alone. I have a house. I have a fiance. I work like I'm a hundred percent. Okay. Which is, yeah, it's a miracle. Yeah. I told you I, I need Kleenexes for this part. I don't know if you can see, but I was literally wiping tears. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and, and I know, you know, it's like as a mom, just like, for a daughter to to think like I was there with you when you were saying the story and it's just you are a walking miracle I did not realize that about your spine so I don't this might sound like a dumb question but I'm just gonna go out on the ledge and ask it um so you said they stored a part of your skull like mm -hmm. what so what it, why do they do that like what is that part of the process that they so it's, yeah, it's like a craniectomy and a craniotomy. Um, they, they basically, yeah, cut off part of half of your skull. So like in a, in a more graphic way, like, you know, so when I didn't have my skull, when I didn't have my skull, I had to wear like this, like foam helmet. Right. Because if you fall and hit your head, then like it's direct to your brain and you'd probably be dead. Um, but you can, you can see, and they, they took videos and I'm, I'm really great, you know, grateful for my family for kind of documenting it. And they even had a whole website. It's a caring bridge website, which is a website kind of for, I guess a lot of times people going through maybe like medical issues that they, so they can be updating people, you know, on like what's going on, like what are the surgeries and, you know, how is, the patient and whatever progressing, but, um, yeah, they had taken a video because when your skull is absent, you can see like your brain, like it pulses. So it's kind of like seeing like a heartbeat through the skin, which is kind of crazy. Like when I show people pictures of myself at that time, they're just like, that was you like, they absolutely cannot believe it. Um, but yeah, and then they they store that in like a medical grade freezer, I think just to keep it preserved in a way um, and in, yeah, without deteriorating since 
they are going to put it back, which they did put back and I have it. (laughs) Yeah, that's where I was, I was like, hold on a second. So they take it and then they put it back and like reconstruct because it's just like to take the pressure off of your brain. Mm -hmm. I did not know this. I know we're going in medically, but this is like so intriguing to me because I'm like, wow. And then they went in and prayed over yourself. Like, that yeah. is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yes. I am like, I kind of am getting the picture, even though I like, we can't actually get the picture until we see the pictures, but it's just like, and I guess maybe that's part of my reason to of bringing the graphicness out of this. So people can also get a picture of like, is, I mean, I know like they can't see you, but we're going to link your Instagram to the show notes. So I'm like, if you're listening to this, go to the show notes, click on her Instagram and go look at this beautiful soul. You would never like, there's no evidence there. It's just amazing of how, so do you, what, what is your first memory of like when you were in the hospital of actually like, cause even like that singing and all like singing that song, like, on your dad's birthday oh my gosh that's so that's so touching that's so deep I've just I know there's somebody that's going to listen to this that has a child that is or has a loved one that is not in a state of like knowing if they're going to make that make it or not and Mm -hmm. we need that hope we need that faith and sometimes we borrow somebody else's faith or hope in the process um so what is like your first memory of in the hospital that's I feel like in the hospital, I don't remember a whole lot. I feel like I remember potentially being, because I was I was in a wheelchair, obviously, you know, when we got there being wheeled into Shepherd Center. And I remember different, you know, some different things from Shepherd Center. Um, like I can, I can picture my different nurses and, and rehab people, their faces, pretty, pretty well. Um, but the thing with the, the brain injury is that it's, it, and it, it affects everybody differently. Um, but you go through like kind of when you're coming out of the coma, it's called storming. And so it's kind of like a super restless phase. And then there will like, after that, there's different times when you are kind of emerging from that, you know, comatose state and, you know, becoming, getting more with it. Um, But it's like your behaviors are just super erratic. And I mean, I think, I thank God that I can find humor in it because I think some of the stuff that happened is just like effing hilarious because (laughs) like my, my aunt, my dad's sister, she had quilted a blanket for me and then just, you know, some other things. But what you, what happens a lot, a lot of times is that you will like, you fixate on things. So you might kind of fixate on one person or a thing or, you know, a topic or something. And so at, you know, for a week or two weeks or something, I was fixated on my sister. And so I was just like, 
telling all of the nurses and stuff that, you know, my sister had quilted me this blanket and she had done all of this stuff. And my sister is absolutely not like an arts and crafts type person, totally not. She's never quilted and probably will never quilt in her life. But I was like, yeah, she, you know, quilted me this blanket and like all this other stuff. And I was just talking nonstop about my sister. And so they're like, you must like really love your sister. And I do really love my sister, but it's just funny. You, you just will say things that are absolutely not true. Um, and then there was another time where I was, I mean, I was pretty pissed about being there because obviously it's painful. You're going through rehabilitation, and you're you're being controlled and i'm not somebody who likes to be controlled um and i was i was talking about i was like this must be dante's inferno which was i had read that in uh ap english in junior year of high school and so then you know my parents were like okay like she's gonna be fine like <laughs> And then I'm sure I was like saying random things in like Italian and Spanish. And they're just like, okay, she's got her languages. Like she's got her sarcasm. Like she'll probably be okay. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's almost like the brain was, your mind was trying to find its way back to reality of working. Mm -hmm. And so it just had to like, oh yeah, you probably did have many funny moments and you have to, you have to, you have to find the humor in it all because it's really the only way to get through those dark times. And that's where I was, I was going to ask you that question of, did you feel like anger at any time? Cause you had to relearn everything. Like um, even what about eating as well? Was that something that was, cause when you were in the coma, you wouldn't have been able to eat. So like, mm-hmm. and I know how fast the body, just from my daughter's journey, like how fast yeah. our body like loses everything basically. And you have to retrain it. Yeah. Um, so I had a peg tube, which is like, I have, I have like a second belly button essentially from the peg tube scar, but <clears throat> it's like further up and to the left, but that's where it's, yeah, just a feeding tube. Um, so I was, I was intubated, which is why I have a scar here, which is funny because sometimes when people see my scar, they're like, oh, thyroid, like they think I had thyroid cancer. And I'm like, actually, no, I was intubated. Um, but even, even that, like, I think that it's, it's incredible to have visible scars that people can see because then you know a a lot of times people aren't just asking you about your scars but you know when they do then it's a chance that I get to share I get to share my miraculous story which is why you know it's like I don't worry about covering it with makeup or anything it's just like this happened to me I'm an incredibly different person because of it like I say that I had I had a heart transplant basically um Mm -hmm. but but yeah, no. So I had a breathing tube and then I had a feeding tube. Um, but in, yeah, in regards to anger, I guess, I think that one of the greatest blessings from my story is that because I know that it was so painful and there were obviously really painful surgeries and different things, you know, in having to learn, you know, just kind of how to move and, you know, being, you know, controlled and monitored Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But I think one of the greatest blessings is that because 
I had a brain injury and it was primarily like my frontal lobe that was damaged, which is also why I said a lot of funny things and did funny things because that kind of controls like impulse. So I would just say whatever, do whatever, um, which is, yeah, now, and I know we've also kind of talked about this before, but that's still, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me in like a way where I'm just like crazy and saying things and doing things, you know, erratically, but I'm definitely a lot more honest because yeah, like I have a brain injury and it was primarily my frontal lobe. So I will tell you kind of what I'm thinking, you know, more often than not. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but because of the brain injury, my memory, my short-term memory was really, I mean, terrible. So I don't really remember much at all, which is, I think, amazing. I think that's a huge blessing. I mean, I remember things perfectly fine now, but I don't remember, you know, any of my time in the trauma unit and the times at Shepherd Center, the rehabilitation after I hardly remember it. Um, most of it's just from seeing, you know, pictures and hearing stories from, you know, my family or friends. Yeah, that is that is a blessing because that's a really, really difficult journey to walk through. And I'm sure you experience all sorts of emotions and, and a lot of pain. Like, even though they had you, you know, they had to give you obviously pain medication. You were like totally not even yourself in any aspect. And I like, I know your story is different, but I just, my heart is cause like, I know when even going through my daughters, it's like, that is not that journey is not for the faint of heart. And somebody like you to walk through that is a true warrior because that's like, and yes, you're, you were surrounded by prayer. Thank goodness. Cause it is prayer, but you obviously also have a very, very, um, strong willpower in you to like, you have a strong fight in you. Cause like there was still on your end and just to go through like relearning everything. And then also going back into real life, like, what was that for you to, cause it's, and I guess I'm kind of coming from my perspective and I don't want to do that, but I know like when we left the hospital to go back and face the real life was like, not what we expected. So I'm just curious from your perspective, what was it like from like, you were obviously you got in the accident and then you come out a completely different person. You've now like experienced so many different things. What was it like for you to re-enter real life? Really? Um, I think that. I think it was probably somewhat tumultuous because again, with the brain healing, I mean, it takes, I just had my five year accident anniversary in August. So last month, um, and it takes, it's most, the majority of the healing happens in the first five years. Um, but I think that a lot of it is, you know, you do have to kind of learn how, how to manage yourself and, you know, how to just deal with different interactions and whatnot. And you have to, I had to, you know, have a driving test because 
which is, I'm glad that they do that because if you have a brain injury or a stroke and whatever, then you probably should be tested before you get back on the roads. Um, but I had to have a driving test and then I had a speech therapist. So I was just at home in Memphis and I was continuing, um, just some smaller rehabilitation, just with movement and whatnot. And I had a speech therapist, but she was more so for, I didn't necessarily have to relearn how to talk. I mean, it, it took a while because once you've had a trach in and then you get it taken out and that has to all heal up and there's scar tissue and all of that. Um, but the speech therapist was kind of to help make sure that my, you know, neuro pathways were getting, you know, fired up and connected. So, you know, we would read articles and study things and I would write papers and all of that. Um, and then because I didn't, I didn't go back for my senior year of college because the accident happened just before I would have gone back for my senior year. So, I mean, a coma and then rehabilitation, I missed my entire senior year, but another miracle is that I still graduated on time. I showed up at graduation and people are just like, wow, like you're alive, you're okay, and you're graduating. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah. And so, you know, the, a lady is, you know, interviewing me like while we're, you know, lining up to go walk on stage and stuff. And so there's an article written um, about how, you know, whatever student, you know, who was in car crash, you know, graduates on time and all this stuff. Um, but I think that it was, yeah, it was not easy, especially because I, my life beforehand, I absolutely could not live the way that I was living before. I was not in a Christ-centered mentality before my accident. Um, and that's why I say, you know, I essentially had a heart transplant. Like I came out and the way that God directed me through just strange different things was incredible because I, I kind of tried to get back into my former life because I was probably sick of being controlled, sick of being mm -hmm. like, you know, injured and like, you know, people literally, I mean, being with me all the time and like telling me what to do. So I, I tried to get back into my old type of lifestyle, which was not healthy, it was not fulfilling. And so my parents were like, you know, we need to do something. So then I went to wilderness therapy in Colorado where I lived outside for 90 days with literally nothing. I mean, nothing. You are on a team and whatnot, but you learn it's extremely primitive living. You learn how to make fire with uh, sticks. So it's bow drilling, um, which is kind of like an ancient, you know, an ancient practice, you know, when they don't have lighters and matches and all of that. And then we're, you know, summiting 14ers, you know, every couple of days and showering is you use your empty Nalgene and you scoop the water up and you dump it on yourself in the stall. That's showering. Um, but I think that wilderness therapy is definitely kind of where God really reached out to me because after my accident, 
it wasn't that I was thinking about, oh my goodness, praise God, it's a miracle I'm alive. It's like, wow, this is shitty. I lost my senior year. I lost my two best friends. Like they didn't show up. And like, now I'm just living with my parents again, whatever. And, but in wilderness therapy, I mean, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, but the best thing I've ever done. I think everybody should do wilderness therapy. I think that you just, you know, no phones, no anything, nothing of the modern world. Like, you know, you don't have toilets, showers, nothing. Um, and for 90 days, you said, right? Yeah. So yeah. 90 days I did that, but I think I, for sure, you know, God definitely reached out to my heart. Um, because you know, I'm, I'm praying because it's so hard and everybody on my team was very liberal. It was not, it wasn't like a faith camp or, you know, anything like that. It was just, everybody's there for different reasons, whether that be like, you know, drug abuse or suicide or like, you know, multiple personality disorder, different things. Um, but a lot of the people on my team, you know, they, they go by, they, you know, they're non-binary, all of that kind of stuff. And it's not like we pray or anything. Um, so it's, it's funny the way that God, you know, worked through me in that time, you know, in a place where, you know, I absolutely wouldn't have been like, oh, I'm going to come to Jesus but it was like, I'm in his creation and it's super, I'm, you know, going through physically exhaustive, really difficult things. And I mean, occasionally, you know, it can feel lonely, especially if everybody around you is going through different things. But yeah, I a hundred percent, you know, found God or, you know, kind of refound God there. And that was, yeah, an, an incredible thing. And then after that, I went to family missions company in Abbeville, Louisiana, like in the swamps of Louisiana, because after wilderness therapy, they don't just like set the people into the in, back into the world because odds are you're going to relapse into whatever it was that you were struggling with. Um, and then it was also kind of a God thing that I went to family missions company because my parents were like, we don't think that she needs to be in some sort of institution. And so my dad just like looked up something, you know, Catholic and family missions company was the first thing that showed up. And so then they called and they had just had an opening for this internship thing. So then I went there and, you know, a hundred percent found God that much more and definitely got set on the right tracks. And now I'm here. <laughs> girl oh you just have one story after another like unfolds and I love how raw and real you were um when you were saying like it wasn't like you can't like you restarted living your life basically because it was like it was a new new start because you were mm -hmm. a new person and you were just like oh thank god that I'm alive because like you went through so much and it's like, yeah, you would think maybe sometimes from the outside looking in, somebody would have that perspective, but not so much when you're the one that went through all of the tra traumatic experience of it. And then that you for 90 days, I agree. Like I, I feel like wilderness camp and I would do great. I'm sure it would be much harder. 
then I, but it's just, and then the idea that you were not even in like a faith-based place, like it's so, such a powerful God story. And I love how you said, you know, you found God. I also feel like God was pursuing you, like, re- like really, really pursuing you. And oh, yeah. it's just like, like everything that was just happening and came together so beautifully and so powerfully. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much in that of just the way that you the courage that it also took to go somewhere like that after you have been through, because you could have made the choice of like, I'm not, why would I put myself in a, I've already missed out on so much in life. Why would I go through this, which actually gave you life. And then like, like you said, brought you to the beautiful journey that you are today. So in all that being said, what was life, you touched on it just for a, a split second, but what, what was life like for Kylie, like before she got in the accident? Um, I think that it was, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy when I look back on my life before and I'm just, I can't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't a bad person, you know, by any means, never, you know, intentionally hurting people or whatnot, but I was, I was definitely searching. I was searching for, I think that we are always, if we don't have God at the center of our lives and in our hearts, we are always searching, you know, there is a God shaped thumbprint on all of our hearts and I love that. we will, we will search for, you know, eternity. Well, the rest of our lives here, you know, for God, um, if we're not aware of that or coming to him, but I had pretty, I had pretty severe depression starting pretty, I mean, about like junior year of high school. Um, I was at a new school. I chose to be at a new school. Um, and I was just, not hanging with the right people, whether that be, you know, going out and drinking, doing things that, you know, as a teenager, I mean, you really should not be doing, uh, not getting on the right track. Um, I was just severely depressed and looking, looking everywhere. And, you know, I was raised Catholic, but going to mass. I just thought that was like boring and I didn't really, you know, care to do that. It just seemed kind of like a waste of time. Uh, now I, I love going to mass. I love going to the adoration chapel. I love being, you know, with Christ and I love praying. Um, I think that I can always make more time for God. Um, I think we all can, but oh, absolutely girl. <laughs> But I definitely 100% have him at the center of my life now. But prior to that, I did not. Um, my yeah, my friends were well, and even in in college, my friends were not a positive influence. And I think that that's also kind of a blessing in the hurt. I mean, it's it was it was so hurtful that, you know, my two best friends who I, you know, spent most of college with, you know, doing everything with that they didn't show up when I, you know, died, came back to life, rehabilitated and, and all of that. But I think that that is God also, 
I mean, you know, protecting me. And I think that uh, my friends now are a hundred percent different than the friends that I was making before my accident, because now I am seeking people who are going to be lifting me up, who are going to be pulling me closer to Christ rather than literally quite literally pulling me down, you know, mm-hmm. encouraging things that are not going to get me to heaven, but get me to hell. And that's, I mean, that's a real thing. And it's, it's not, you know, something that I'm like saying just to scare people, but it's just, it is a real thing. You know, if you think about your timeline, it's an eternal timeline. Our time here on earth is just like a little blip in that. But what we do in this little blip determines the rest of that timeline. And like, we get to choose if the rest of that is a beautiful, you know, time spent in paradise with our heavenly father, or if it's spent in the fires of hell for eternity, which sounds really awful to me. And I'd really rather not. So I would like to go to paradise and I try to live my life here on earth in a way that will get me closer to that and lift me up and lift others up as well. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Do you have like a complete from what I, you did have a heart transplant. Like literally that is the most beautiful way to explain it. And so what would you say to somebody that is going through a really difficult time and their search. I mean, I know you had the accident happen, but I also know you hold a lot of wisdom in you, like a lot of wisdom. And we've had a lot of conversations. So like, what would you say to somebody who's going through like a depression in their, I love how you said we all have a bad thumbprint on our heart. That is so beautiful. Anyways, focus. Land. My mom says that. It's so, ah, oh, it's just, was so soothing. It was so healing to the heart. What would you say to that person who is really struggling? They're really seeking. They know there's something more for them. Um, Yeah. What would you say to them? I would say, I mean, you are a hundred percent never alone. I mean, even if you are like physically by yourself, but you're not ever alone. I mean, It only takes, I mean, praying can be as simple as, I mean, you can talk out loud, like you can pray out loud or you can just do it in your head or you can write it. I think that writing it sometimes can, can also be, you know, therapeutic. I know we've also kind of talked about writing how that a lot of times things might come out that you didn't even expect. And I think that it's, you know, calling upon the Holy spirit as well. And I mean, even if you're not a strong believer or whatever, you are here on earth for a reason. It wasn't an accident. You were loved into existence. Every single minute that you are alive, that means God is thinking about you. He is loving you. Um, He loved you into existence to begin with. That's why you're here. It wasn't like he just like accidentally created a person. He was like, I, I mean, he knows every hair on your head. He knows your DNA. He knows everything. And he, you know, he is there for you. And I mean, you have angels as well. Um, I think that my guardian angel, you know, in my life before my accident was probably exhausted. Um, You know, and then my accident happened. They were probably like, God, can I like, can I get somebody else? Like this chick is just too much. 
Um, but no, I know our guardian angels don't think like that. They are there through thick and thin a hundred percent, but it's just funny to think about, but no, I think, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times these, you know, the, the dark moments, which I experienced are, I mean, they're awful and it can seem all consuming. And at least for me, it was just kind of like, what is the point of life? Like, I don't like this don't want to be here, not enjoying it. And, you know, like, I don't think anybody else needs me, you know? So, you know, maybe it's, you know, like if you're at, you know, a really dark place, it can be, it can be super difficult. Um, But I think that at least I like to think of our lives as, I mean, God, he doesn't have, you know, these commandments and, and rules to just constrain us and restrict us, but, I mean, I can't think of the saint's name, but the, you know, the glory of God is man fully alive and be who God intended you to be. And you will set the world on fire as I think it's St. Faustina. Um, But he has these, you know, kind of guidelines not to stump us or hold us back, but they are, I like to think of it as train tracks. So it's to help you get to the most beautiful destination. Um, And and God's plan is not always what we think our plan is. It's certainly, I would have never imagined all of the things that I've done, you know, going to wilderness therapy in Colorado and then being kind of a missionary in Louisiana. And now I'm here in Indiana. Uh, and now I'm going to Kentucky. Like I would have never expected this, but I think that it's kind of finding the joy in the journey and it's, I like to say, you know, let go and let God, because he has amazing things planned for you. Even if right now it feels, you know, dark and not what you want, but there are, there are stops, you know, it's train tracks. There are stops along the way and all of them have a purpose. So whether that be, you know, you, you touch somebody's life in a way that, you know, you, you won't ever know in your time here on earth, but you might say something, do something that changes their life, uh, inspires them or whatnot. Um, and the dark times are definitely not a forever thing. They are a small, you know, a small blip in that, in that time. And I think it's thinking about, yeah, the eternal timeline. It's just a brief moment here and even in the dark times in our time here, it's not going to be forever. Um, and if you're looking, then I would say a hundred percent turn to God because once, once you do find God, I think <clears throat> I like to say it's, you have this kind of joy, which is, it's not, like happiness where it's like, oh my gosh, I got this new car. I'm really happy. Or, oh, my boyfriend is so sweet. I'm super happy right now. It's like, you can be in the toughest of times, but you have joy, which is something that is deep in your soul. It's like a soul state, I think, you know, so you might, you can have moments where you're sad, but you still have this joy. You know, you may be like really pissed or upset, but you still have this kind of deep, seated eternal joy i would say um and yeah and it's even in 
the really difficult times, I think that, as I kind of said, you know, from extreme suffering can also come extreme joy and, and you get to experience life a lot more to the fullest. Like if you feel things really strongly, which I know I feel things really strongly, which is, yeah. I mean, when I'm mad and sad, like I am fully mad, I am fully sad, but when I'm happy and I'm, you know, just really loving something like I am fully in that I am fully, fully in, in, in that, you know, state of, you know, happiness. And, and I think it all comes from having that joy, which is why the dark times, they don't last nearly as long as the good times. Girl, you just dropped like so many golden nuggets. And I know I've said this to you before, but all I could see when you were talking was you on stage like there's going to be a stage with you with a microphone one day I I know there is I have no doubt and I'm going to be sitting in the crowd somewhere because you're going to be doing speeches <laughs> across the world um that is so so impactful and so insightful and so deep thank you for saying all of that because I think especially in today's world, people are really struggling to allow themselves to experience life, to actually feel and connect. And, and there is, there's when you, when you go through those dark trenches and you discover that God is there pursuing you and you, you experience God in the trenches. That's really where I feel like you experience a joy in a very deep level because it's just like, yeah, it's great to have joy when you're happy, but when you can have that joy, even in the midst of when you're going through things, there's just a sense of peace and you, there's a sense of trusting and knowing, and no, it's not always easy, but I love that you brought up so many different dimensions of just, yeah, you, you went so beautifully in depth and brought out all different spheres. So thank you for that. And one of the last questions that I wanted to, I mean, I could sit here and talk on it. I feel like I'm getting a therapy session. <laughs> but um, so what do you, I know like your relationship with God, but like if somebody walked away, I don't even know how to wrap up what you just said. Cause it's so impactful, but like, what is something that you hope that people walk away with hearing your <clears throat> story? Um, I think hope. I think that, you know, the cliche of look for the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it's true. And, you know, our plans are 100% not always in line with God's plans. But that's typically because God has something just that much greater planned for us. Um, and if that means that, you know, you do have to go through a difficult time. I mean, God always wants us to be in a good time but that's not life because we are a fallen people unfortunately mm -hmm. um but, but yeah i think that yeah he he is always there and he has he has a plan he has a plan for you um and i think that it's also finding you know finding joy even you know in like the small things like if your vocation you know maybe you feel like you're not going to be you know some big tech you know guru or you're not gonna own some I don't know big real estate property but that it's 
you know, maybe your vocation is to be a mom or it is to be a dad or it's to be a sister or a brother or a friend. Um, and that's, I mean, that's the most beautiful thing. It's not the things of society. It's not what society tells us is great and admirable that that truly is. Um, so I think it's, yeah, kind of appreciating the small things and, and finding that, you know, that, that eternal joy and that our plans, I mean, my, my train tracks were like all over the freaking place. I had a lot of stops. I even had an accident. I mean, not a train accident, but you know, I had an accident and now metaphorically it kind of works with that, but, um, that was not the end. Uh, and it, it showed me the important things in life, you know, family and, and faith. Yeah. Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought that out because I think in today's world and I, and I can relate to you on that. Like I wasn't, I mean, I, I was gonna say I wasn't an accident. I have been in an accident, but not like you, but some of the things that I've gone through, when you go through those things that you feel like actually was an end to your life, it was actually a new beginning to your life. And you realize that life isn't about the big shiny objects. It's about, you know, our relationship with God and our relationship with the people around us and experience. And it's not in today's and society has conditioned people so much that if they're not quote unquote doing big things, they're they're a nobody. Like we're bombarded with it. It's in social media. It's like every day. And it's it's really missing the point of life. Because life is in the moment, in the day to day. And I love that you brought that out because I feel like somebody just had to hear that message coming, you know, especially coming from you with everything that you've gone through. And like, because sometimes being quote unquote, just a mom or working just a job. And I don't want to say that, but I'm going to say it in terms of society can feel like, oh, I'm just a nobody. And it's like, no, you're not a nobody that is important. That is special. You are loved just as you are in that moment. That is a big thing. And that might be your calling that God has for you. It's very important. So I want to say thank you for sharing that. And you were saying about message, giving the message of hope. Um, I would absolutely think that is a very powerful message that you're giving with everything that you've gone through. So I want to say thank you again for being here and for sharing your heart, sharing your story, um, and just, yeah, like giving so much wisdom. Truly appreciate you. Of course. It was an honor. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unchained and Untamed. I'm confident that you received exactly what you require to unleash your potential and unapologetically own your feminine heart and soul and be the woman that God has created you to be. It's time to take the next step on your transformational journey. Apply what you've learned and know that I am here to support you every step of the way. I'd love to hear what your biggest shifts and ahas were that you received from this podcast. So make sure to shoot me a message and follow me on Instagram at Schrock underscore Leona. See you there.